Well, as many of you know, um, in October, Cheryl took me on a post-cancer trip. I had cancer surgery this summer, and I got lab results back um, several days ago, and there's no detectable cancer in my system, and I'm so thankful. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you. Give so much thanks to God. So, of all the things that you can do following a, you know, cancer surgery and, you know, what, what do you think we would do? Well, we went on a Disney cruise. Now, while the idea of spending four days on a ship with hundreds of screaming children might cause you anxiety, for me it was wonderful. Because as you know, I'm happiest when I'm around the kiddos. I love them. Love being around them. Well, one day I was in one of their overpriced gift shops on the ship. And I was in line to purchase a coffee mug. Because everywhere I go, I buy a coffee mug. Surprise, surprise, right? And I overheard a conversation between the person in line in front of me and the employee in the gift shop. Uh, She was getting ready to check out. And this passenger said, excuse me, um, I purchased this Star Wars lightsaber for my son for his birthday party that we had on the ship. But when he opened it, the light inside didn't work and the lightsaber didn't light up. So I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a great lesson for me in conflict management. How does this employee handle this disgruntled passenger? Well, this passenger went on and on. She went on to describe this disaster. This ruined the birthday party. And the employee said, well, you know, we'd be glad to exchange it. You know, we want your son to have a lightsaber that works. And this woman wouldn't She said, no, the party's over. My son was devastated. I was embarrassed. It ruined the whole event. And I'm standing there in line saying, whoa. Finally, this woman tells the employee, and this is an exact quote, I hope you know that you just destroyed my life. And she walked off in tears. Oh, my goodness. So, I was next in line. I handed my cup to the employee, and I said, by the way, there's nothing wrong with this mug. It's perfect. (laughs) Which made her smile, because she was very stressed after that. You know, we're good at whining and complaining about stuff, aren't we? When things don't go our way. If you've seen the news, you've seen all the protesters around the country after the election. These folks are in despair. They're in agony. They're crying. They're they're angry. They're destroying property, some of them. It's as if they're living through the biggest catastrophe the nation's ever seen. And And I'm watching this on the news, and I'm thinking, folks, it's an election. Somebody wins, somebody loses. In four years, we'll do it again. It's not like life's over. Now, take a cell phone away from a teenager and their life is over. I mean, are our lives really destroyed when things don't go our way? Are we so privileged that we don't know what a true disaster is anymore? I mean, the recent earthquakes in Italy, 
That's a disaster. A tsunami like one that hit New Zealand. That's a disaster. The bombing and gassing of people in the shattered city of Aleppo. That's horror. Thousands upon thousands of refugees with no place to go. That's an international crisis. But a broken plastic lightsaber? Maybe we're so spoiled, maybe we're so isolated from the evil in the world that we look for something or someone to blame our problems on. I mean, when a, when a toy breaks and it ruins our life, our lives are pretty superficial, don't you think? In our scripture passage today, the prophet Habakkuk was in fear because he heard that the Babylonians were coming. It's not quite as bad as relatives coming for Thanksgiving. Because when the Babylonians came, they destroyed everything. They were coming to lay waste to the people, to kill them, destroy their buildings, ruin their crops, and then haul them off to Babylon. And Habakkuk knew that that was about to happen. Now see, that to me sounds like a genuine catastrophe. And so Habakkuk questions God, asking, God, why is there so much violence in the world? Why are there so many hardships in life? And in chapter 3, verse 16, Habakkuk explains how he felt when he heard that the Babylonians were coming. Now, this is the living voice version, so it's not quite what you have in your Bibles. He says, I cramped up. My lips quivered with fear. My bones became soft like noodles. My legs gave out. I shook in terror. That describes how I felt when I preached my first sermon 25 years ago. Maybe you felt that way before your first kiss. What he described, we've all felt. We've all been there. When we're about to face something in our lives that we have no idea how we're going to handle. Or maybe life as we know it is about to be over. We've all been there. These are real, raw human emotions that we see in the Bible. Maybe you feel this way when you feel like life is just spinning out of control and you're absolutely helpless. Let me tell you a true story. I almost didn't tell you this, but this is, but it's kind of funny. And it does relate. I did my PhD work at a, at a college in, in England. And since a British PhD is self-directed, I spent four years translating medieval Latin and writing my dissertation. Why I didn't choose a topic of someone who spoke English, I don't know. That would have been so much easier. So in the, in the British system, you spend all this time writing all this stuff. You go to your defense, and two people that you've never met and who have never seen your work will decide if you're good 
or you have to fly home in disgrace. Four years of work. There's no middle ground. So when it came time for me to defend my dissertation in London, um, I discovered that one of the examiners was from my college, although I'd never met him, and the other was a world-renowned Oxford uh, scholar. And she was really intimidating. I had used several of her books in my work. So when I sat down at that table in that room, I felt like Habakkuk a little bit. Four years of work. Cheryl and the kids had made so many sacrifices for me. My academic reputation, whatever that is, was on the line. I began to sweat. Boy, I wish y'all could see my bald head. I was just dripping with sweat. I got cramps. And my mind went so blank, I couldn't even remember what day it was. It was just, it's just one of those moments. Have y'all ever had an experience like that? I have to think so clearly, but I can't even remember what day it is. And I knew it was going to be a long afternoon when the first words out of the mouth of this world-renowned Oxford scholar were these. She said, well, I wish you had written this in English and not in American. Oh, boy. It's going to be a long day. Thankfully, everything turned out fine. Little tweaks here and there and changed the spelling to more of a British spelling on some of the words, and she was happy, and I was good to go. But think about the last time you felt like Habakkuk. What was going on in your life? Were you in financial ruin? Maybe you lost a spouse suddenly and you were all alone. Maybe a fire or storm destroyed your home. Maybe you lost your job and you didn't know how you were going to provide for your family. And like Habakkuk, you cramped up. Your lips quivered with fear. Your bones became soft like noodles. Your legs gave out. You shook in terror. See, we're all going to feel this way at certain times in our lives. Life in a fallen world is filled with events like this that we can't explain. But when we face situations like this, we can learn from an obscure, mysterious prophet named Habakkuk. Because look at the end of verse 16. He says, Yet I will wait quietly for the day when God will take care of these people who invade us. Even though the Babylonians are going to wipe out life as he knows it, he's confident that God's still in control. He's going to be all right. And then in verse 17, he says, even though the fig trees don't have any blossoms and there's no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails, I mean, you, heck, you got to have your olive oil. And the fields are empty and bare, even though the sheep die in the fields and there's no cattle in the barn. He's lost it all. No fruit, no drink, no olive oil, no crops, no sheep, no cattle. He has the right to feel sorry for himself. Because it seems like his life's over. What's he going to do? He's lost everything. 
He's completely helpless against this invading army. Yet in the midst of that, in verse 18, we have an insight into his attitude. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Now let's be real. How in the world can Habakkuk feel this way? How can he celebrate God? He's about to lose everything. How can he be overjoyed for God? Lord, I've lost everything in my life. Oh, but I'm going to praise you. Oh, come on. Let's get real. How can he say God is his salvation? That God has saved him when he's lost everything? For that case, how in the world has God saved him? He's got nothing left. Well, he gives us his answer in verse 19. He says, the Lord God is my strength. He will make me as sure-footed as a deer and bring me safely over the mountains. Habakkuk says, I may have lost everything in my life, but God is my strength. And I'm going to make it. It's going to be okay. He doesn't blame God for this tragedy. Have you noticed that? He doesn't say, God, why have you done this to me? He doesn't question how a God that loves him could allow this to happen. Instead, he gives thanks because in the midst of this tragedy, God's going to see him through this. God's going to guide him. God will be his assurance. God will give him peace. Listen, it's Thanksgiving week. And for some of you, this has been a rough year, hasn't it? Think back on this year. It's been a rough year. Some of us have endured things we hope we never have to repeat. Some of you have gone through situations that you wish you never had to. And honestly, and I'm a real world person, hope you know that, it's going to be tough to give thanks this year. For some of you it is. Yet I believe that this passage of scripture from this mysterious prophet has hope for us. And you know what's, what's even more real? Is that we, sitting here today, can have more hope in our lives than Habakkuk had. Because we have Jesus in our lives. Habakkuk only had the future hope of the Savior. We've got him. In John 16, Jesus says this. He says, in this world... You're going to have troubles. But be encouraged because I've overcome the world. God can turn our tragedy into thanksgiving because even though we go through hard times, Jesus has overcome this world that we live in. And if we have given our lives to Christ, 
His Spirit lives in us. And if His Spirit is in us, then by the Holy Spirit's power, we can overcome the world too. I hope you believe that, because that's the truth. It's also true that we cannot escape hardships. Give your life to Jesus, everything will be fine. Don't ever believe that. Hardships are part of life on planet Earth. We can't escape unexpected tragedies. It's just part of living in a fallen world. Things are going to happen. But we can give thanks that God doesn't abandon us to fend for ourselves when we face these hardships. And for those of you who are here this morning and you've not yet given your life to Jesus, I want you to know that he's still with you too. And there's nothing you can do about it because he's not going anywhere. Because he loves you that much. He's never going to leave you alone. This Thanksgiving, if you're trying to find one reason to give thanks, this is it. This is it. God's with you. He is your strength. And he's never going to leave you. He goes through the fires with you. He calms the storms in your life. He loves you even though you don't feel worthy of his love. Because that's the kind of God he is. And because God is who he is, and because he loves us that way, we can always give thanks. No matter what it is we're going through. Because God's with us. And he's going to see us through. Believe it. Let's pray.